Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophets? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I admit it. I'm one of those people who puts up their Christmas decorations as soon as the last trick-or-treater leaves the doorstep. And Christmas lights especially might be one of the things I love most about this time of year. I was especially delighted when I saw on the Nextdoor app that I use a new feature for the 2020 holiday cheer map, where neighbors can share that their homes are decorated so that others can go around and enjoy their lights and other festive holiday decor. It's not an uncommon holiday occurrence in my darkened apartment to be lit up by nothing more than the glow of the lights on my Christmas tree or the strand of lights around my window. I love the way that each bulb is made even brighter by the dark that envelops it. To a point, I can't even see the bulb or the wire anymore, only the brightness and the glow of each light. In a way, you could say the dark helps me to see the lights better. In this week's gospel reading, we continue the story of the peculiar figure of John the Baptist. But unlike Mark's version of John from last week, clothed as he is in camel's hair and on a strict diet of 
locusts and wild honey. The John of the Gospel of John, no relation, by the way, is a bit different and a bit more philosophical. Set within the Gospel writer's stunning introduction, stretching back to the creation of the cosmos, we get a non-traditional nativity story, if you can call it that. The word that was in the beginning with God and that was God. The light that was the life of all people. The light that no darkness can overcome. And then a shift, something a bit more ordinary. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He wasn't the light, but he came to testify to the light, to bear witness to the light, to prepare the way for the lights, and to help our eyes adjust to it, to make the light known and visible so that we might experience it for ourselves. I have to confess, though, that as powerful as the imagery of light breaking through the darkness can be, and perhaps especially so in our 2020 times, I always bristle a little, not so much at the imagery itself, but at the way it's been misused. Traditionally, Advent is this season where we look forward to the coming of the dawn, to the coming of the light that dispels the darkness, lighting candle after candle on our Advent wreath. And even beyond Advent and Christmas, our liturgical language and traditions are filled with images of light and dark. And often, we think of darkness as bad and light as good. Living in a predominantly white community and worshiping in a predominantly white church in a predominantly white denomination, I often think about the ways that our perceptions of darkness and light have spilled over into our assumptions about race and color. Those of us who have been a part of the GLOW Exploration Group these past summer and fall months have grappled with this particular dimension of light and darkness and its often harmful impact on our understanding of race and culture. The ways that the value we place on light and whiteness is often equated with holiness and purity and often at the expense of our siblings of color. This week, I think that John's story helps us push back against such a limited, harmful understanding of darkness and light. Light needs darkness in order to give off light. We might even say that light without darkness is meaningless. A lit candle in a room with overhead fluorescent lights doesn't do much. But even a single candle in a darkened room, well, that's a different image entirely. I think John's relationship to Jesus functions in a similar way. John helps us to see Jesus better. 
John's testimony shows us Jesus, the living word of God, coming into the world. And John's message makes Jesus' presence all the more profound. And the suspense builds in the line of questioning leveled at John. Who are you? I'm not the Messiah. Are you Elijah, the great prophet? No. Are you another prophet then? No. So who are you? The voice crying out in the wilderness, the voice crying out to prepare the way for God's coming into the world, the voice getting ready for something and someone so profound that you're going to have to experience it for yourself. John's testimony doesn't stand for its own sake, but to draw our attention to the one coming after him. Jesus doesn't make John any less significant, but I think this story helps us understand how both are needed. The one who prepares the way and the one who is coming. Like the season of Advent gets us ready for the celebration of Christmas. And like the way that darkness is needed to help us see the light. John gets us ready for Jesus' message and mission. John helps us to see Jesus better. And John's testimony also makes it clear that we have a testimony to share as well. What are we pointing to? What are we bearing witness to? Do we exist to be a building on Fingston Road in Glenview? Or are we like the voice crying out, getting others ready for a message so profound and so life-giving that they have to experience it for themselves. Dear people of God, we do not exist for ourselves, but to be a beacon to the one who comes to make all things new. Earlier this week during Bible study, someone pointed out the beauty of that particular day, a day a little bit unlike today, where there was a clear blue sky and sparkling sun, a welcome change from the gray of the previous couple of days. And a bright, sunny day is something to be grateful for and something to marvel at and to enjoy, for sure. But the gray days have their own kind of value and beauty, too. The gray days cast long shadows in my apartment and make the Christmas lights around my kitchen window shine all the more brightly and magically. In these gray days of pandemic, of loneliness and isolation, of grief and despair, what are we testifying and bearing witness to? We have the duty and delight to make God's light coming into the world known and visible, to bear witness to love in the midst of hatred 
hope in the midst of despair, life in the midst of brokenness. Like John, we are not the light, but we point to its advent. What will people see us pointing to?